Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we have a special co-host, Greg. Super Say hi. Special. Hi, this is Greg. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Rogue One, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what you're doing this podcast? All the, that's all the introduction you get. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How do we... How do, the, 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 the listeners at home are like, who is this Greg off the street? I'm this guy that just showed up. You know, I got yeah, right? Um, well, I am Mango's younger brother by uh, almost two years, year and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, a little about me, I work in the film industry, hence why they asked me to come on this movie podcast. Uh, I am a gaffer. I do lights for commercial uh, commercials, television shows, and the occasional short film. Oh, um, holy shit, dude. My friend Warren is a gaffer. Yeah. Has Warren been on the podcast? He's in Hell's no, Rebels, he so yeah, he, he's, he's listeners on the, uh, at home. Well, I don't know that he's technically a gaffer. I just know that he does lights for... Uh, uh, also for Rachel's thing, but uh, anyway, my amazing personal life and my cool friends notwithstanding, <laughs> welcome to the show! I'm glad that you gave credentials, uh, especially because other people who come on the show like don't ever at all. Like, Why was Zhao on the episode about Civil I War? Mean, what kind of an give, expert we, was him? <laughs> we, we don't give ourselves credentials either, That's right? True. It's like, I, you know, I'm a software engineer and you're a GM. You know, at the, same time, yeah, and at the same time, though, like... You know, I understand, I understand, like, having, what, it, what it's like to have, like, a creative degree, right, and never being able to flaunt that, but coming out to a podcast to talk about movies, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, I went to school for this, guys, and I you just, will all I, know. I think i to build my credentials now, because it's just going to be nonsense from here on out, so as long as you start off with the bar somewhere, it's, like, a good place to be. Anyway, uh, that amazing introduction aside, <laughs> I guess we're talking about Rogue One today. Because movies came out, I just I I didn't actually just come out of it. I sat in an hour and a half of traffic because it's L.A. Um, I just saw it this morning. You well, we saw also it saw morning. it this morning, nine a.m. Uh, yeah, I guess. Let me. I'm you know. I want to ask a question. What format did you see it in? I did not see it in 3D. Uh, nice. I don't even think I saw. It. I think I probably ended up seeing it IMAX, but that was actually kind of unintentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't actually know that they had an IMAX print, so maybe not. But it was in the, like you know the biggest theater in the room or in the. Uh, Cineplex, yeah. <laughs> it was very nice. I actually like going to see movies. I like going to see movies alone um, because I'm weird like that, I guess. But uh, I went to go see an 11.45 a.m. showing. So, you know, I went. I got some Einstein's bagels. I just... I ate them, and there was all of this frust to be had from Mango. I could feel it. He was like, oh, someone's <laughs> eating a bagel I don't like. Oh, gross. <laughs> and then I went to go see Rogue One, and uh, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It is insane how much I like that movie. Oh. I also enjoyed it a lot. Did, did you like it, Greg? Yeah, no, as a whole, I think we both agreed that it was pretty solid. We, uh, we also saw a 9 a.m. showing, because I also hate dealing with people at the movies. Um, so we went in the earliest one that was standard, which is also the earliest showing, I think. Yeah, yeah. No bagels for us, though. Oh, so you guys so. didn't see it in 3D? No. no. There, there was a line for the 11.50 a.m. Yeah, a 3D like showing Jeez. when we were leaving. So you know, I, I guess people in suburban New Jersey had nothing better to do on a Friday. Yeah, I you know I I have uh, I have complicated feelings about 3D. Um, I think that most people are get like unfairly down on it, but I do agree with a lot of the technical criticisms. It really kills. The thing that kills me is it kills the color palette because it always yeah. kind of like desaturates everything, which just is the worst. But when a movie hits with 3D, it hits really well. I think. 
I don't think they shot. I mean, you know, someone's gonna come over and correct me here, but I'm ninety percent sure they didn't shoot this movie in three D, which is like mm. there's a pretty big difference between shooting in three D and then doing three D in post production. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, you just kind of like layer it and like shift it over a little bit, and it looks like garbage. It's like bad CGI. Like Beowulf is the great example of terrible three D. Uh, <laughs> if anyone has watched that movie ever, um, but like good three D where they shoot it in three D is a whole different thing. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you can get talent. Like, for instance, a movie that the 3D made the movie to a certain extent. The movie wasn't really good, but it was better because of the 3D. Uh, so I saw the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> with, only because Ian McShane is in it, and he's in Blackbeard. And I was just like, oh man, this guy's going to ham it up. Let's do it. Like, um, But they actually did a really clever... Uh, th- you know, there's obviously a lot of scenes of them moving through the jungle or whatever. Or, you know, like these like rainstorms. And they... And they um, you know, whoever did that 3D was very smart about the layers. And it wasn't that thing where, like, it was too busy because everything was trying to pop out at you. It was meant to be, you know, solely immersive, right? So it's like all of the characters are properly framed and the composition is right. But, like, as you're moving through the forest, it's the it's just, like, the vines or the leaves that are popping out. Which And, and that kind of effect is basically the only way I think you can do 3D in post and have it be worthwhile. Because uh, otherwise, it's just it's just garbage. Anyways, Rogue One, uh, I guess. Quick tangent. I'm just going to say this because I know you guys love tangents. So we were seeing the movie theater, and I'm sure you had different trailers than we did, but they played a, the newest Pirates trailer, Pirates mm. of the Caribbean, and I was blown away that they're still making those movies. Yeah, I am <laughs> consistently blown away because the third one was such t- – I will go to bat for the second one, actually. I think the second, uh, the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie is a fundamentally good movie. And I don't know why people hate on it, but I will. Those the other two <laughs> are just garbage. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the fucking what's his name? What, his name's not Jack Sparrow. Johnny uh, Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp finally decided he had nothing left to do with his time, and uh, he decided to make another movie. Funny he didn't even show up for the fucking trailer. Funny story. No, he violated customs by taking I think it was his dogs to Australia to film it, and he ended up having to like write a letter of apology and pay a big fine to like the Australian like <laughs> customs bureau or something. Um I keep up with this stuff because his ex-wife at this point because uh it's alleged that he domestically violenced her uh Amber Heard is going to be Mira in the Aquaman movie. And so uh I keep up with Johnny Depp news for that reason. Um but yeah, I uh, you know I, I did see a bunch of trailers. I was sad that I didn't get a Wonder Woman trailer. I was really hoping I could get a Wonder Woman trailer because every time I see that trailer, I just like, I just have to change my pants. It's so great. <laughs> uh, see, but, uh, the, the 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 movie that made me want to like vomit right into my into my pants was uh, was the Boss Baby trailer. Like what the <laughs> oh fuck my god is that movie? <laughs> I don't. <know>. They're, they're <laughs> going down. It was that. It's a. Uh, it's uh, Alec Baldwin. No, no, but the company. It's um. It starts with the I. What is it? Uh, Illumination. Yeah, Illumination. I believe they that's did, Illumination. Uh, the Secret Life of Pets too, which was was like okay for a little bit, then just got awful. So you know, it's another one not worth watching. Yeah, they're it is. We- yeah, I mean, these guys are. They did. They did minions. So not yeah. very, not very highly yeah. regarded in my. <laughs> Circle. Uh, people love minions. I don't. Yeah, I know. By like, I know. I mean, like seven people and a few girls. And this is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, 
You know what also sucked is I didn't get the Dunkirk trailer because I've seen it on my computer, but I was waiting. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be on the big screen because I was like, well, of course they released it the weekend of Rogue One because it's playing in front of Ro Rogue One, but it wasn't, and I was yeah. I was really depressed about that. Christopher Nolan, your your Kino, I, I have to I have to love your Kino. <laughs> We got we got a Transformers, another series. I was blown away. They're still making movies of. Oh my yeah, god! I knew that was coming movies. though because I, I saw the last night poster not too long ago and thought, wow, they're still making these. movies. I'm super down <laughs> for that movie. Evil Optimus Prime. I'm sold. I those movies. I mean, those movies are trash, but they're a little bit better than people give them credit for. Uh, and I have seen every single one of them in theaters. In, th in fact, I think I saw the third one twice because I thought it was like. Awesome. <laughs> is, is Mark Wahlberg supposed to be an older Shia LaBeouf? No, or is he a no. Different Mark Wahlberg is just a different. He's he's like he's like the perfect Michael Bay protagonist. He's like a really like <laughs> like salt of the earth, like rough and tumble guy. You know, like like John Everyman, who's also like an expert robotics technician and inventor. <laughs> The start of the fourth Transformers movie, which, by the way, is the best one. At the start of the fourth Transformers movie, he's like, oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm Johnny Axelrod and I run my, you know, you know, my junkyard or whatever. And then somebody brings in, you know, Optimus Prime as like a junk truck thing. And he's like, oh, my, oh, look at all my robot stuff that I can do. And it's just like. <laughs> These what, what, movies are insane. But Stanley Tucci as evil Steve Jobs who turns Megatron into like an iPhone eyesed kind of like Apple eyesed version of himself to be Galvatron. If you know your Transformers lore. Nope. Was awesome. That trailer was incredible though. Like Michael Bay A has huge balls. Like what was it? They started in like medieval ages and then Nazis. There was yeah, Nazis yeah, there. There's like, a swastika on the yeah, like, I love like, how the, these movies, the through line to these movies doesn't hold together at all. Like, there is no continuity that makes any kind of sense. If yeah, well, what, what happened to Shia LaBeouf's character? They just, just went away. They just <laughs> never addressed it. The same thing with Megan Fox's character. Megan Fox is in the first two ones, and in the third one, Shia LaBeouf just happens to be dating this woman who's like a Victoria's Secret model, right? Just, you know, whatever, normal, fine. And, uh, <laughs> and they never bring it up. Like, what happened to Megan Fox's character? Uh, yeah. Anyways, but, that's ten minutes on the trailers of Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I love this movie. I, you know what, I'm gonna hit you with. I'm gonna hit you with a controversial statement right off the bat. This might be the best Star Wars movie. Okay, I, I, I am agree very, with that. I am very on the line whether or not this or Empire is actually better. So I, I, I think it's up there. I think it's better. I think it's somewhere around Return of the Jedi with Return of the, like, from my perspective, Return of the, all, all the, uh, the original trilogy going five, four, six, and then, and then the, the prequel trilogy below, below that. Um, I actually think Force Awakens for me falls somewhere inside the prequel trilogy, but I think it's around Return of the Jedi. It, you it, know what's funny too? It, you know, we never actually did an episode on the prequel, or sorry, on, on the, the Force, uh, Awakens, the Force yeah. Awakens. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's true. I'm pretty sure the Force Awakens is my least. Well, I think I like Attack of the Clones less. Yeah, uh, uh, for, for 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 me, bottom up, it goes two, one, seven, three. Rogue One, Return of the Jedi is tied four, five. Wow, I'm surprised to hear that. 
Are, are I'm trying to really? think. I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. Well, no, a little bit. I'm trying to think of my order a little bit because I don't quite know where. Well, that was pretty like right off the. You thought about that all day. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> I think so. My order from bottom up to make this to make this easy is two. More. Is this is this what I think of as good or what are my favorites? Uh, because those what are two your are pretty favorites. My favorites would be two seven. Jesus, you're gonna kill me for this. Four, no six. Wait, no, sorry. Two seven six four. Honestly, I think at that point it's M pot five. Uh, Rogue One and then three. Yeah, yeah. You 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 do. Revenge of the Sith. Is, Revenge of the Sith. My fucking favorite. <laughs> That's a wild I, card. I need, to, to have. I need to tell. I so here's so my my order of quality is a little bit different, but uh, I actually think that Revenge of the Sith is legit good and is better than both Return of the Jedi and the original Star Wars. Right? Controversial statements. Bam! I hit you with them. Uh, but it is also it is also definitively my favorite Star Wars movie. But Rogue One really fights for that spot. Rogue Greg, One, do, you, do you have an order? Mm, yeah. I don't. I, I'm, you know, again, that's this is why I gave credentials because I haven't watched the one through three probably since, like, you know, I don't know, I've been like ten <laughs> or whenever they came out. It's been forever. But um, neither I, has Buddy. That's why he yeah, likes him fair. so much. Are you kidding me? I watched <laughs> no, them in a marathon. Did I ever tell you about that? No, I I, I watched them in a, in a marathon too last year, uh, r- running up. Yeah, to last the year. Awakens. Yeah, last year I took a day off from work and I went to a movie theater and, I, and it started at like one a.m. with the Phantom Menace and it went all the way around the clock to like you know wow. seven on Friday or maybe it was even on Thursday. When they released The Force Awakens, so I didn't even. T- but like, you know, you have to understand that first of all, I I Wait, like you the did prequels. Six movies, then the actual movie you want, like the new one. Yeah, seven. yeah. Yeah. I did that with Toy Story. And it was just one, two, and three, and that was too much. And I did six movies. <laughs> you know they have seven. these. They have these for the. Uh, they have these for the Marvel movies that are like three or four oh, days God. in a row. It's <laughs> like like your whole weekend plus like a day or two. I think. How but, do you uh, pay attention to that many movies in a row? Like, don't you start like not caring? Uh, actually, the opposite happens. I got so much more into it. I, you know, so I here's the thing. I, I am an apologist to a certain extent for the prequels. I think the prequels are unfairly shat on to a certain extent. Um, which is to say, I think they are better than they are given credit for. I still think. I'll agree with I that think statement. one and two. I think one is like a bad average movie, maybe around like Suicide Squad level <laughs> in my head. Um, two is legit garbage, though. And then I think three is actually like secretly good, but like flawed, like obviously, obviously flawed. Um, but the but the thing is, is that the experience of going through them back to back, and also like the a little like that tiny little hint of like delirium that comes from not sleeping, <laughs> made it so that like by the time three rolled around, and it comes to the you know like the fifteen minute lightsaber battle between like Anakin. And Obi-Wan or whatever, I was literally just bawling my eyes out for like 20 minutes straight. Because I was just sitting there like, oh, they just they want to be friends, you know? Like, I, and I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm very sensitive to the melodrama. I love it, and I love the scenery chewing, and I love the hamminess, and I love that, you know, these, you know, I love that Mustafar is just the fucking lava planet. And I love that <laughs> Mustafar, I'm pretty sure, this might be headcanon, but I'm pretty sure Mustafar comes back in, the, in Rogue One. 
Uh, I guess we should. Oh start yeah, Mordor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, le- I leaned over to, to to Manga, and I'm just like, "Oh, welcome to Mordor." <laughs> I thought um, that was a great. I thought that was a great touch. I really appreciate, especially in the context of Episode Seven, which seemed so so. It just didn't want to deal with the prequels at all. I was very glad that they threw the prequels a bone in this movie. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, they they kind of jump into it. Um. There's a couple things that like. Right off the bat, the thing I think that bothered me, there are two things that bothered me a lot about the movie, just to kind of get like the the, the kind of nitpicky bad things out of the way. I thought the score wasn't good. Oh my! I, see, my yeah, I totally agree with you. It, yeah. it felt it felt like rip off Star Wars, like you know, like 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 somebody somebody made like a War Stars video game and like scored <laughs> it with like a cast. Not it's not that bad, but like it, it it felt like it felt like someone trying to make fan Star Wars music. Um, I did a little bit of reading, and apparently, um, the 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 composer only had a couple of months, and he only got the comp- uh, he only got the opportunity to compose after the reshoot happened. So he did. So people were saying he just didn't have enough time to truly make it great. But uh, it you know regardless, I don't think it it sounded gr- good. Yeah, uh, um, I also think it was mixed so loudly. Jesus Christ. Um, it's like they tried to compensate. They were like, okay, listen, all right, the music is bad, so let's just be really loud and obnoxious with it instead of letting it, you know, like, drone on in the background where everyone can just forget that it exists. Yeah. And, uh, the, the other thing that really bothered me is the, uh, the CGI people. Um, oh, like, really? Like Tarkin? Tarkin, Tark- like, their animations were just off. Tarkin and, um, the other character at the very end, to avoid spoilers for the moment, um, just, uh, like... It like when he was standing still, it was fine. But every time he talked or moved, it just it just looked bad to me. I I couldn't. I it it brought me out of it every time. Hmm. Um, and it, it's 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 shame because when he was standing still, I was fooled. I was like, how did they do that? And then he started moving. I'm like, oh, he looks kind of like a weird like undead skeleton. Um, not yeah, I he... definitely I definitely could tell that he was CGI, but I wasn't. I I I, I guess I kind of just let it go. Um. I don't know. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you, but once we got to the theater and you mentioned it, I was like, that's what what it was. Because I thought, like, like, this character seems odd and I could have put my finger on it, but once you said it, that's kind of what I think was distracting me. Yeah, he died maybe last year. He was, it was actually very recent. Um, So I I knew in my head that he was dead, and I was like, oh my God, what? How is he there? And then I realized um, what had happened. Uh, Movie magic. Movie magic. I actually have to say, I really hated the first half. Not even hated. It was just like I have. I had a lot of bad pre. Well, not preconceptions, but like when I heard that they were doing Rogue One, and when I first understood the kind of concept at play, I was very leery. I guess of it, and it seemed like they were making a lot of poor choices. Um, and the front half really, really solidified that mindset for me. I thought I was going to hate it after that first half. And then a specific moment happened and the whole movie like turned on a dime and was like, no wait, we're actually going to be really, really good now. And they kind of like, it's, it's kind of like I went to, it's kind of like I went to like a three course meal and the salad was like disgusting. And then the, then the entree was also pretty gross, but then they just like wowed me with this amazing dessert at the end. Do, so, do we want to just launch just into spoilers? Like, yeah. yeah, I guess we kind of should. Okay, yeah. spoiler warning for anybody who hasn't seen this movie. There's going to be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, don't So, uh, to take it chronologically, I guess. Um, 
that whole opening, this whole opening with Galen Erso and Jin Erso, this reeks to me of like the Disney marketing department. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like the producers sitting there like, oh, but you know, how can they, how can they, how can the audience have pathos for a group of friends who don't know each other banding together to fight the empire? That'll never happen. We have to make one of them, you know, like you, we have to give one of them like this family member that they love. Right. Because, you know, and I was just like, Oh my God, this is like, it just felt so forced and fake and wrong. And I was so mad about it because I hate when those kinds of decisions happen. Um, not, and, not and, only that, but like they spent so much time on it. I I kind of I was griping to Greg about this earlier, that like it's like the 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 two uh, the the two Asian characters, the uh, the the guardian of the Willows, which I was very happy to find out he wasn't a straight Jedi. He was another Force tradition user, yeah, and the too. um and the and the heavy trooper guy. I have no idea like what their backstory was. I thought maybe they were brothers. Like they, they just they, they give them no arc at all, and you, and like at, one, at like right before they they launch off in the second half, he call the the heavy trooper calls Jin little sister, and that's supposed to have some kind of emotional weight to it, but it doesn't because they have no clue who the fuck these two people are. Oh, I actually so, disagree with that. I think I think the thing that about the second half that works so well is that they take the camera off Jin and they let it be an ensemble movie. Before they. they, they they kind of go back and forth a little bit on that, um, which does bug me. But one of the big problems with the beginning half of the movie is everything was shot like Jin is the superhero main character, the protagonist in a superhero movie where everyone else is a supporting character and doesn't you know deserve any screen time, essentially. Um, when the movie clearly wants to be an ensemble piece and it wants everyone and it wants everybody to have their own arcs and their own characterization that they eventually do get. It's just they get it starting at the halfway point see i i don't i don't think the the two the, the those two characters in particular ever get a proper enough intro for me to care about them right like it's it's kind of like oh they're, they're badass for a little while and then they go and do they, they 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 flip a switch because the plot tells them to and then they die and that, that's like the, the their whole kind of like arc to and it's it's nothing and there's little hints of things i want to know more about them i want to know what he is i want, I want an explanation in the movie about what a guardian of the wills is i want i want somebody to at least like acknowledge the fact that his his bowcaster is super cool um and like yeah, besides his what two shots i think he took two shots yeah he takes two movie. shots with it yeah. it's, it's, it's an awesome like he does this thing where he like breathes into his hand and he shoots down a tie fighter <laughs> yeah, really. that he aims to crash into the into the the fucking turret i'm like oh my god that's the greatest thing ever and then yeah. he shoots it once more at one trooper and then he goes and swift the switch and dies it's like what the sh like, like <laughs> i have uh, to say one of my other favorite things about this movie is everyone dies yeah no, that, no. That's, a, that's a pretty big thing we were talking about so happy about that it was i was so happy about that oh man and I it's funny because is there because like we were really the, the whole thing was like making itself contained, we felt like limited it. Like you know, I guess we we've already discussed this on our drive home from the movie theater. Yeah. Oh, I think the exact opposite. This is so. Here's I I think the problem with like franchise filmmaking. Um, I go to bat for a lot of these franchises, and I think it's like a good thing because it does make the storytelling more complex and like serialized. And I think that there's a lot of bonuses that come with that. But one of the big problems that comes with it is that 
writers, directors, you know, the producers, all of the people making these decisions kind of have to pussyfoot around characters a lot of the time. This is why nobody ever died. This is why Rhodey doesn't die in Civil War, right? Because we need, you know, in Iron Man 7, right, we need him to come back or whatever. Uh, but when you're doing these standalone Star Wars things that basically demand you to wrap the whole story. You can't make a franchise out of this, right? Because the franchise has already been made, yeah. essentially. Um, I appreciate that it is the it is the way to give uh, to get to get out of that like stereotypy cliche trope of like, oh, the it looks like the hero sacrificed himself at the very last minute, but oh, he takes a breath, he's actually fine, right? Like I hate that. I think it's such a cliche. It's such a bad trope nowadays. See, I feel like the cliche went the other way, just because it's, like, the whole thing self-contained. And to me, a lot of things felt very, like, you know, formulaic, like, the whole thing. And then it's it's that kind of thing, like, oh, like, they do this whole heroic thing, and then they all die because, you know, it, it can't be self-contained. You know, they can't have stuff spill over. So I almost feel like the opposite in some regards of, of like, you know, like, Mike and I, were, Mango and I were discussing how some people can um, maybe have other parts of the story in the next episode, like, overlay, or just not be involved. Like, everyone didn't have to die. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was one thing that, like, it's, it felt almost like, it felt, it felt almost like, like, if they didn't scrub it, that, like, people would be like, well, where were they during the next episodes, where I think you can, like, kind of let that float a little bit, um, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to me that, that, like, like, I don't know if it's weird, it's just, so, uh, I'm going to go back to a word I like a lot here, and I think stakes is what makes this work for me, right? I think you can you can look at it and say, yeah, like this is a decision motivated by kind of continuity cropping, right? Like we have to clip all this stuff out so that it doesn't disrupt things we can't deal. You know, like it being a prequel means we have to end at a certain point and in a certain way because otherwise it fucks with the continuity of the rest of the Star Wars universe. I think that's definitely kind of like a motivating factor. And if it was maybe handled worse, I would get mad about it. Um, but what I think they did with those, with the deaths, is every single one, it felt like they were ramping the stakes for the mission, for the rebels, right? You know, we all know... In a movie like this, we all know that the Death Star gets defeated. We all know that Darth Vader dies, that the Emperor dies, right? That there's that there's a light at the kind of the end of this tunnel. And so I think if you are too weak and you don't push hard enough in order to make the action in this moment dire and, um, uh, you know, kind of weighty, then it, everything just kind of feels like weightless, if, if that makes sense. Like, because we know that it's going to end up in a good place, right? We don't, we don't really need to worry and we don't need to be invested in the kind of mechanics at play because we, we know how, we know how the story ends or whatever, but them going through and essentially just meticulously killing off all of the characters one by one by one. Uh, I, I got really into the ramp up of, you know what? These people sacrificed themselves so that, you know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia could, you know, defeat the Empire kind of thing. You Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think my, my complaint with it is going to kind of go back to my earlier complaints in that, like, in particular, um, the, the, the heavy trooper guy, like, he, like, everybody died doing something, right? Like, uh, the pilot died plugging in the cable, the, um... You know, the Jin and, uh, I forget the male lead's name, died, um, 
you know, sending the broadcast. K2 died um, defending them while they were retrieving the data. Um, but, and, and even, even, um, uh, Donnie Yen's character died after flipping that switch. Um, but the heavy trooper just kind of like walked out and like, yeah, I don't really shot some people that, and that was a died very like four weird, steps from him. That was a very weird moment. I yeah. kind of don't understand what they were getting at there, I guess. Um, it felt like almost like. I, again, if there's more character development, but I feel like in that moment he accepted the force after. Yeah, I, 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 it, I think know? that was supposed to be yeah. what the arc was, right? Like well, the, yeah, he had rejected the, his faith, and then he finally picked it up again when his friend died. But he picked it up for like six yeah. steps and then fell over. Yeah, it was like you know what, we're good. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is what I mean about everybody having an arc, um, and why and why I appreciate that. I think every single one of those main characters, you know, like had had their. Uh, had their arc, which I appreciated, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, that, that, I guess it just worked for me. Yeah. No, I also, that, you know, I, I also think there's other ways to get around, you know, for instance, I like the, <laughs> you're going to kill me for this. I like the Batman versus Superman approach God of, <laughs> they kill the character, but with an expectation, but like the, they they specifically tell the audience, "Hey, listen, he's coming back, right?" But the point is, the characters inside of the story know he's dead, right? Yeah. I like that version of it because it doesn't feel like the fake out. The fake out really bothers me because it essentially just feels like you know emotional puppeteering uh, that's just dumb and and bullshit. And it's the same kind of emotional puppeteering I hate about the Galen or so Jin or so thing, right? It's just like oh, it's like it's like. You know, putting Bing Bong, the character, in Inside Out, he is only there to tug on your heartstrings, right? Uh, and it, it, that that bugs, that, like, thing bugs me. And it happens a lot in a lot of these, uh, uh, I feel like, in a lot of these Disney movies recently, specifically. Um, but uh, they they recovered very well from the Jyn Erso, Galen Erso thing, essentially by wrapping that arc up and using that moment to talk about the the themes and the characters, right? Like Galen or so wasn't important because he was adding all of this pathos to Jin. That happened, and that's a side effect, right? But the real thrust of the whole Galen Urso thing is about, you know, Captain Andor confronting the dark side of the rebellion, right? Jin explaining why she's not uh not fully with the rebellion, obviously like all of that kind of stuff that comes out of it, like the the question of, you know, yeah, it's technically the rebellion that kills her dad, right? Um, that stuff I thought was super interesting, and that's why the that the the decision makes up for itself. Uh, yeah, I, I see that, and that actually launches into something that I thought was very good about this movie, which is I liked the characterization of the rebellion as not being like all squeaky clean sunshine and rainbows. Oh my god, uh, yep. I, I I liked that you know like you know the, the, there's there's a scene where he straight up they say like we we've done we've done unconscionable things. Some of us are assassins, some of us are saboteurs. Um, but we all did it because we thought we were doing, we, we were ultimately serving the greater good. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'd hate ourselves to, to go after it. Um, I, and, and I really liked kind of, and they, even the, in the beginning, they essentially blackmail Jin into going after her father and, and contacting, um, Saul Guerrera. And the, uh, the melee just shoots that guy in the. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, in I the loved very that so much. I, I feel like that, that was, was great. I think that was, I think that was literally an apology for Greedo shooting first. Like I really like, wow. Like, like, like I looked at that and, and I was like, oh, so he's the Han Solo that that shoots first right there. Like like that mm -hmm. that that's I I think, um, that was at least a nod. 
Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I definitely like that they, they made it, um, a little bit less ambiguous. The Empire, of course, is still unambiguously evil forever and always. Um, yeah, I, but I also liked in, you know, in more, in more of things, th this movie also catered a lot to my tastes, which I appreciate, um, is they really gave, oh, fuck, I can't remember his name, Director Cressen? Cranick. A lot, yeah, Cranic God. I one of the other things that that really sucked is when people were saying names. A lot of the times, it was swallowed by the sound design or by yeah. the music that was too loud or something. And I'm just kind of like, wait, what? What was his name? And sometimes you get like, like uh, I thought his name was Andoer for a while because like someone just kind of pronounced that with a U because they had an accent. Oh God, it killed me. Anyway, um, but I like that he had motivate. You know, like he had he had a motivation and he had. Um, you know, like he wasn't he wasn't bad for badness sake. He had goals, right? The, the, one of the things that bothers me so much about episode seven is none of those characters, except for Kylo Ren, feels like a real person to me. All of them are kind of wearing these like personality suits, kind of like it's kind of like the Greendale human being of like acting. It's where it's like a bunch of people were like, well, we have to make our characters funny, but also likable. And so they forced them to wear these like funny, likable affectation suits, but like they're kind of th th their internal motivations and the reasons why they're, they're, they're not, there's not a person in there, right? Ray and Finn and Poe and even Han and shoot, right? They're, they're not, they're not people who are making decisions in their universe. They're just kind of characters on the screen. And I like them because they're wearing these likability suits that are like, you know, mass produced and like genetically engineered by Disney's, you know, story scientists to be likable characters, right? But they're not characters. There's there's not like a beating heart in there, right? There's not like, you know, an ego, a, an id and a super ego kind of thing. But this movie was filled with that stuff. And so um Ben Mendelssohn's character, uh the uh uh you just said his name, but I already forgot. Kranick? Kranick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Director Kranick. Uh, Director Kranick having, you know, having an ethos, right? Having ambitions and that being his, you know, defining feature and also his flaw and also, you know, these little bits. that Like, that bit between him and Tarkin where Tarkin is like, oh, I'm just going to take, ha oh, oh, this is mine now. Like, you know, and then he goes and sees Lord Vader on Mustafar and, you know, that, that stuff really worked for me. Speaking of Vader, is this a good time to jump in? Mang and I both had some feelings about. Oh whole yeah, thing. how did you like about? How did you like Vader's the costume? Thing? The costume looked like a cheap Halloween costume. Garbage. No, you know, it, I don't think it was the costume. Maybe you can c comment on this. I actually think it was the lighting, or so. There's there there's, was something about how glossy his yeah, face was that made him so bright. You know, which was very weird to me. It was the the thing that's weird too. Is it felt like again? Um, this is all from my memory, but I felt like the helmet was was matte, and then the the um, the goggles, if you will, like the the, the, the shades in the yeah eyepieces in the helmet were super glossy, and you were seeing reflections. It almost felt like they stuck in like reflections of um the world outside. Um, one of my beefs, I guess I'll address this now that I mentioned to Mango uh, initially was they do this like reveal thing. Um, and they do it in all films, and it's great. It actually worked perfectly with Vader, where they do like it's a classic. It was in the trailer where the door goes up, and um, you see like his shadow. It's the classic from dark to light, reveal your, your enemy, right? Reveal the bad guy. And it worked great with Vader, but they did that so much with like 
planets and ships. And like, if by the time I got to Vader, it felt so heavy handed. Along with that whole choking thing, also felt heavy handed. With oh, yeah. choking, choking on. Thing. I love oh, the choke. See, I actually uh, have to say, I loved everything with Vader. I thought everything with Vader. Uh, was see, great. see, the, the the choking thing was like, it, it was a, it was it was just a little too much, right? Like yeah. he kind of holds his hand out to the side and he says, "Don't choke on your ambitions, Craig." Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, in the get it. <laughs> see, in the moment, it worked for me, especially because I, you know. Something that occurred to me, I what what I liked about what I liked about uh, uh, you know th- this guy being driven by ambition, right, Cranick or whatever. I liked the the shot specifically. So uh, I don't think I actually think the cinematography in non George Lucas Star Wars movies is typically pretty bad. Uh, you get some good stuff in Jedi and Empire, but that's really about it. Um, but uh, in this one, I actually really loved the shot where. The door is coming up, and the sh- and like it is rising, and you're seeing the big shadow of Darth Vader on the wall. But if you, the shot itself, and it's only on the screen for a minute, it's Ben Mendelsohn's character who looks like he's casting that shadow, which I thought was a really clever way to frame it. And I was like, oh, look, that's so interesting. He wishes he was Lord Vader, kind of thing, right? Um, and so to kind of capstone that scene with Vader literally being like, hey, I understand. How ambitious you are, you piece of shit. I thought that was appropriate, uh, given the way you know, that it I, started. I, I think the mood was fine. I just think the specific implementation of, like, yeah. the way he was holding his hand and the, the dumb yeah. joke. I actually was... think the I, I think a couple of things were wrong about Vader in that scene. The other thing that was wrong about Vader in that scene was he moved too much. I think Vader wants to be rooted in place a lot. Um like, he shouldn't be moving around and inclining his head and, you know, circle. You know, there's this weird yeah. thing where he, like, circled and then he, like, <laughs> he kind of, like, swiveled to kind of, to, to, like, make a point or whatever. And I was just like, man, like, I understand why you want to make that kind of blocking happen, but it looks just bad when, I don't I, know. I, I think they did it right at the very end when he's assaulting the, uh, the Mon Calamari ship. I think they oh, did yeah. that scene well. Yeah. That, that was that, so that, good. That, yeah, the last 10 minutes, I think, almost, I don't say saved the movie for me, but, like, I went from being like, all right, you know, Star Wars, like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's, like, that last scene when, like, he's dark with the lightsaber, Oh that's man. so sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. That is so I, sick. You know what is also great about it is uh, uh, one of the things I am actually down on about the original trilogy is I don't think Vader is as good a villain as people make him out to be because he's kind of a ponce who gets beaten a lot in the first one. And then in and then yeah and then in uh, and then in episode six he's just you know kind of like the the emperor's whiny bitch he's great in episode five right like episode five is where Vader Vader is like dangerous right he right. legit outsmarts the heroes twice like you know uh, beats Luke Skywalker to duel like that's you know this is Vader this is like peak Vader or whatever and so I really liked that they were able to make uh, they they were able to make him really menacing and a huge threat right like it's like oh everybody's so happy right like yay the rebels the rebels what do we blow up the shield we got the Death Star plates and then like <laughs> the Death Star comes out and the, you know there's like oh retreat then Vader's Vader's Star Destroyer comes in I was just like wow that really worked for me um because I also think that it, it uh, one, I think it sets up the continuity for the next three movies really well. Because, like, if you imagine going from Rogue One into the original trilogy, the stakes are already set for you. And so, like, you don't just need the opening crawl to be like, well, the, the rebellion is, you know, you, you actually have a whole movie that kind of explains yeah. that for you. Um, and By the and way, I, speaking well, of opening crawls, what did you think of this movie not having one? 
I like opening crawls. I think they're great, but I, you know, it was weird. I noticed how quickly we got into things, and I was kind of like, wow, that was fast. Yeah, I, I was but. kind of thinking that maybe we'd get an opening crawl between, like, like the, the like the, the prequel yarn where, like, the kids, where, where Kid Jin is hiding, and maybe we'd get it there, but we... We didn't. I, I think it's also if you're not if you're gonna change the formula up, changing it up in these, um, you know, Star Wars tales is the right place mm -hmm. to do it. I think it would have been much more aggravated if Episode Eight didn't have a crawl or Episode Seven didn't have a crawl. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. I. So the other thing about the crawl that I actually th I actually think the crawl is more useful in these than it's useful in those, uh, especially with the way oh, that yeah. we do sequels and prequels and all that yeah. stuff. Like. The crawl is important, I think, in the for uh, the Empire Strikes Back and for Return of the Jedi because the starting position of the characters was so radically different because we treated sequels in just a really different way in the '80s, essentially, right? But now where we have kind of this bleed, right, where like your the the you know you have your three act structure, but then that last little bit of your third act, instead of having like a proper traditional, they get the medals denouement right now we get like sequel teases right and so when you're moving when you're going from episode seven to eight you don't need a crawl to explain things anymore right because presumably the circumstances of the movie haven't drastically changed because we're not doing these massive time skips anymore but the standalone movies which are taking place all over the star wars continuity using that crawl to root us in a in a place in a time and a context i think is actually more useful there I think that's fair. I think we could have also used the crawl to, like, you know, it's kind of, like, glossed over what the hell, what, why Jin was on that, essentially, that slave ship. Could have put that in the crawl. Yeah, 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 100%. You could have put that in the crawl. Could I, have did put, you, like, a little I, thing about Jedha in the crawl. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff, all of that stuff in the beginning, I thought, was not great. I mean, like, the action was fine. Uh, I liked I, I liked the th these are the best starship battles I've seen in a Star Wars yeah. movie uh, for a long time that. it was the beginning of of episode three which I still love I think that the you know the attack on Coruscant is great but um, uh, the whole thing at the very end was really well done um, you know with the with the uh, with the rebel fleet attacking the shield and it, it had great kind of choreography and, like, geography. And, by the way, mm. the fucking Hammerhead Corvette. That, yeah. Tell me that wasn't the coolest that thing you've cool. ever seen. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel um, like all the ships got their own time, too. Like, uh, like the Y-Wings and, like, the X-Wings. Mm. Like, it's kind of... You felt like you checked in with way more pilots than usual. And, like, and even seeing the the classic going back to the... Getting the X-Wing in the the TIE Fighters, like, uh, crosshairs. Mm -hmm. They jumped, they yeah, jumped yeah. to that a bunch. They jumped to that a bunch, and, you know, you even got these little, uh, you know, like, there's the general who was blue leader, right? Like, he gets, you know, like, the, the, this movie is very, you know, it's, it's very efficient in kind of, like, these little small moments of characterization, right? Like, there's the fat Asian guy. That's terrible. No, you mean, there's you the fat Porkins Asian guy. Too? Yeah, Porkins, too, that gets killed, right? You know, but even he gets his, you know, even he gets his little, like, little bit of kind of panic uh, when he's in, uh, when he's in this, this firefight. I don't know. I, I yeah. I don't know. Uh, so the turning point for me that made this movie like instantly good, so good that as soon as it happened, I was like, "Oh man, this movie just got good!" Like in the theater, that's what I thought. Was when Jin and Andor were arguing about 
the you know like the rebellion and you know who killed her dad and how responsible he is for it and everything and she says something along the lines of you can't talk your way around this and he says essentially yes i can because he is and from his perspective he's right that moment i think is is like Everything after that moment, the movie goes really yeah, well. No, I, I, and everything I before that moment, that. I think, is yeah. really rough. Yeah, yeah, this, and the, this, what I loved this... most, well, what I loved most about that moment, like the thing that made me so happy about it, is that he didn't cave to Jin's argument. I was really afraid that it was going to kind of become something of an Aesop, and we were going to continue down this like lane of like Jin is the main character. Everything she does is kind of right, and so if anyone holds a differing perspective. Right, that person is by default wrong, and they have to be proven wrong by the movie. Right, I like that he held his own, and that the movie doesn't beat him up because he doesn't agree with the main character about something. Oh, I, I definitely agree. The specific line was, um, "You can't talk your way around this," and his response was, "I don't have to," mm-hmm. which was, I, I, I thought that phrasing was was also really good. Right, like, because yep. like as they were arguing, I was, I was feeling the same thing. Like they're gonna, they're gonna like. Make him out to be the bad guy, but it's like, yeah, because I was with him the entire time. Right? As he's describing mm-hmm. this, he's like, "What are you? You have literally just decided 15 minutes ago that you're on board with the rebellion after kind of being whiny about it for a little while." And like, he was doing like the thing that needed to be like, as far as he knew, you know, Gal- uh, Gallon or so was 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 a imperial engineer that needed to be eliminated for the rebellion. Mm-hmm. You know, he. And you know him acting on his conscience is 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 commendable in that way, right? Like the yep. you know he he chose he chose to not do it, and that's that's what matters. Um, and just to add about how she's a whiny bitch, she was saying earlier, like you know, <laughs> but, right? Um, she her comment was, you know, I hope she's or I, it's easier to think he's dead. You know, like she doesn't even care about her dad. Truly, really. like she's saying, like, oh, it's cool if he's dead. Like that's that's her whole stance on it. Yeah, it's it's. Um, yeah, I you know, the other thing that really I to bring this into other Disney movies that really bothered me, the exact opposite thing happened in the movie Moana. Have you guys seen that one? No, no, no. no. This is this is something that I think Disney movies do well by like they don't do well, right? They fuck this up a lot. It happens in some of these Avengers movies, right? It kind of happened in Civil War, for instance, um, where, you know, both the the worst part about Civil War is like both sides of that were like wrong by like the mo- from the movie's standpoint which is just really weird but anyway um in moana you know there there's maui the rocks character like the big big guy with all like the tattoos or whatever and uh uh and the movie just beats the shit out of this guy because they want to make moana you know like they want to make moana like an empowered disney princess and everything like that um but they do that literally at the expense of Maui, this other character, where they're just like, the movie keeps making him wrong. And then he keeps making these wrong decisions, even after he outlines a, like, a, a mindset that means these decisions are wrong. And, we, and it was such a weird thing, and it, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And coming off of that, I was really, really afraid that we were going to be going down that same kind of route. And I think we actually did get a little bit of that, right? Like, I kind of hated that... Ever, of the, all of these rogue, or sorry, all of these rebellion counselors are sitting at the table, and Jin Urso is the one who's sitting there, like, "Oh, you guys should fight." It's like, who is she? She's not even a part. She, 
What does she have to do with the rebellion? How does she get to sit at the table with all of the counselors making the decisions, right? I, th that kind of thing, uh, that kind of thing bugs me, but they saved it. It worked out. Yeah. Uh, spe speaking of that particular meeting, the thing that bothered me while I was sitting there listening to it, just, just from like a logical perspective, right? The rebellion, at this point, the rebellion's got two options. Either give up entirely or just, you know, go for broke for this. Like, this is literally the only thing they can do to, to stop the Death Star. And they're like, uh, no. Like, it, 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 it bothered me because it's not a decision between do we do the risky thing or the safe thing. It's do we literally give up any, everything or take the one shot we have. So, what I want to say rebellion. about that. What I want to <laughs> say about that, though. Is I think that works in the context of us because of our dramatic irony, but like in like the context of the story, this is all coming from Jin, right? Okay. And the, the where the one guy the one guy said the thing he was like, "Why are we listening to her? She's not even part of the rebellion, right?" You know what I mean? Like that that actually made a lot of sense to me. I think okay. because no, I and and fair. and by the way, I thought it was a little bit of kind of like thematic comeuppance for her, like snooty you know like raising her nose at the rebellion earlier where she's like oh no i don't have the luxury of politics it's just like oh god fucking kill yourself right um but uh um and so and so that's why that 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 ended up working for me but i think without that one guy making that one point i would have been yeah uh, I, I think it would have been stronger if the reaction from like how like I, I wanted to say like 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 big nose caped dude yeah. Um, um, like his reaction was, we need to surrender right now. Like if his, re if his reaction was, why are we believe if everybody's reaction was, we don't believe you rather than we need to surrender, then I think it would have been driven home better for me. Yeah. But, but I do see your point. Yeah. And I also think, uh, I also, I also appreciated, I was a little afraid we were going to be into one of those situations where literally everyone except for Jin was going to be against this plan. And she was going to, you know, like, just to kind of, like, stack the odds against our heroes. But I like that Mon Mothma and Bail Organa were both in support of it, right? That that also helped me with that moment. Because also, it's also, not like, Admiral Akbar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Admiral... Re Revis? Revis? Re Re Rivet? Re yeah. Ribbit? Ribbit? That's funny. I actually really liked him because I was kind of like, wait, who who is this guy, right? Like... Does he die? Like, is he going to die yeah. in this movie? And I was thinking about that. I was like, well, because I know what's going on. And I was kind of like, are they kind of like giving me foreshadowing almost because of, and it turns out they were, right? Just because I know Star Wars continuity, right? Yeah, no, um, I was looking. I was like, is that supposed to be like a young Akbar? Like, I couldn't, yeah. like, <laughs> it's like he's not supposed to be that puffy or green, but maybe. And then they, and then they gave him a name. I was actually expecting, like, Akbar to be like a character on his ship or something, just so you could get like the, you know, like like the, the little tie-in. Because it did do some weird little tie-ins, right? Like, um, in, on uh on Jeddah, they walk past the two guys that um that Obi Wan cuts yeah. the arm off of. You know? Yeah, I was I, I yeah, I, that stuff like that. Part of me wants to say it's just harmless fan service, but part of me thinks that there's no such thing as like all fan service is like weaponized fan service no. in Star. In, in like the context of Star Wars and something that because you know I think the the need to be pandering to the fans is basically the primary reason that episode seven isn't any good um it's that's mean it's f <laughs> one of the reasons it has flaws <laughs> like <laughs> I really I really don't like that movie guys um but uh uh so I don't know I don't know I was actually really afraid that this whole movie was just going to be weaponized fan service and it wasn't going to be its own thing. But, 
you know, they 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 very quickly got got it together. I loved I loved seeing you know, part of it is one of the things that's great about the original Star Wars is you get, like, hints of certain things, but a lot of it kind of happens in your imagination as, like, a kid flying around in your, like, makeshift, you know, like... And so you kind of get these questions of, like, okay, well, the, you know, they're using AT ATs here, right? But what would it look like if a bunch of Y-Wings and X-Wings took on AT-ATs? And so, you know, like, that kind of stuff. And so seeing that stuff on the screen really was was super great. I was super down for that. Yeah, it was cool to go to Dubai and see sand troopers. <laughs> nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah. I also liked that they showed that uh, I I actually really enjoyed the uh, the like the single reactor blast from the Death Star. I thought that was a clever way to kind of hop around the. Yeah, because uh, Alderaan's the first time they blow up a planet with it. Right, and you would think, right? And I also I also loved that the Senate was, like, a big deal. Like, oh, we're going to go testify against the Senate. And I'm sitting here like, oh, man, I remember that little line of dialogue. You know, it's such yeah, a yeah. minor <laughs> thing in episode four where they're like, hmm, we dissolved the Senate today or whatever. But <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Um, there was – the one of the other things I liked about this movie is that um, it was kind of – in addition to kind of like showing the dark side of the villain, it was, it was much grittier. Like, I, I definitely feel like the, the 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 fight on Dubai was supposed to be uh, supposed to be like Star Wars Vietnam. Um, oh yeah. Um, and I, I liked the greediness. I liked I liked in a lot of ways the kind of like you know like war is hell type type imagery because you know most of the time it's it's kind of not in Star Wars, right? Like the mm -hmm. you know like. You know, Faceless bad guys die, and like one or two good guys die for the most part. But most of the time, it, it, and because of that, most of the time it's it's pretty clean. Whereas like, along with killing all the main characters, like ha having everything kind of go mostly to shit, um, kind of kind of really drives home the kind of uh, the the darker themes of of the Star Wars. They universe. had a lot of that too with the sniper scene in the rain. They kept mm -hmm. doing all these shots going, going along this gun with like the water dripping, kind of making it a lot more dramatic than you know you see in most Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I loved – I mean, I think something that really worked for me – this is something that actually I appreciate about A New Hope more than – like, one of the things I think A New Hope does right is it shows, like, Porkins dying and, like, all of these X-Wings going in the trench run and getting absolutely fucked, right? Um, because I think that kind of thing shows how hard it is, essentially, to, to, to win. Um, a, a similar thing actually happens, you know – one of the reasons, one of the silent reasons I think that Empire works so well, this the sequence goes on a little bit too long in my opinion, but the whole bit where Han Solo outsmarts the, the Star Destroyer and the asteroid fields, I think that bit is really important to setting up the heroes losing twice by going to Cloud City and being kind of betrayed and conned by Vader and then, you know, Han Solo getting, you know, and then and then Vader actually follow through on all that stuff, right? Like that that punch, that gut punch, doesn't work as well if you don't have this moment in the asteroid field where it's like, oh, our plucky heroes do it again, right? Like, you know, kind of like a, a thirty serial announcer. Um, and so I appreciated that there were uh, that there were like those kinds of things. And then like, you know, yep, you know, stormtroopers they hit people and they kill them, right? Like it's this isn't uh, you know this isn't a version of Star. Wars where nobody ever hits anything because you know nobody ever dies yeah though I think shit what was his name Saul Guerrero I think his death was cheap and bad yeah 
Also, just, the, the, there were some yeah. very clear parallels that he was supposed to have with Vader with yep. the breathing mask, but, like, yep. it felt, like, super undelivered on. Like, maybe, I guess, it was supposed to be, like, and this is what happens when you go too crazy. You end up mirroring the thing that you're supposed to defeat, but, like, that was, like, that's literally me applying an afterthought to this, right? Like, it, it's... it's it, it felt so wasted and unexplained. I, I actually got that in the moment, too. And I was thinking that exact same thing. And I was like, oh, great. Because I thought he was going to join the ensemble. But then he dies. And I was just like... What? And, and it's such an unearned way, too, right? It's not It's not like he sacrifices himself for the team. And it's not even like a random death, right? To just show, like, listen, right? This thing is fucking dangerous and... It doesn't matter. Sometimes you're just too slow to reach the ship and you have to be let behind, right? It's not even that kind of thing. It's just, mm, I'm not running from this. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> but I mean, it happened before. It happened before the, uh, the uh, I don't have to. So it is, it is included in everything shit in the movie. <laughs> all I could think when uh, all the characters are running out of, um, uh, like, the, the cliffs there, not just uh, our heroes, but all the additional characters, was like, this is like Mad Max. You know, like everybody's trying to do their ships to pull away. Yeah. And him with the whole thing. Just for that split second, but. Yeah. I actually thought that exact same thing, too. And I love that movie, so it's a very good reference to be making. Like, uh, good job, Star Wars. <laughs> Finally, or you know, neither you'll probably be surprised with but the only thing I kept thinking while that was happening is, like, how is the shockwave moving so slow? <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. Like like, yeah. like 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 what 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 is this like weird land tidal wave like like how does this make any sense? I don't understand. To be honest to be honest, I'm also like really intrigued to find out what the like effect on the planet that had. Yeah. Like is there is there a cra- like gravitationally what happened to that planet by just losing that much of its land mass, right? Um uh, yeah. you know, I was, just, I was very interested. So, so, so while, while we're here in the nerdy stuff, what do you think <laughs> of the Death Star being powered by kyber crystals, which are the well, lightsaber was, crystals? Was it, the, was it the Death Star? I thought it was just the beam. Well, I mean, like, the, well, yes, but like the, the what, like, like you have to burn a bunch of kyber crystals to fire the Death Star. That was my understanding, right? Like, uh, like it's yeah, the fuel uh, source for the laser. Thought, yeah. Like, that seemed like... I, like like what what like what, what what do you think of that? Because it kind of caught me in kind of like a what why like really I actually huh, really I actually thought that the um like it, it just wow, seemed like an I, unnecessary detail to me. I actually thought it was a super necessary de- well not necessary but it was a cool detail. I mean I like it when they reincorporate stuff you know. Uh, I I am with most folks when they are, uh, you know, like when people complain about them wiping the EU, like, yeah, that does suck. And the more that they can do, you know, like bringing back Thrawn, right? Like the more that they can do to bring back aspects of uh, the expanded universe, uh, the better, essentially, right? Um, I think, I think, I think giving the EU a little bit of time in, in the sunlight by bringing kyber crystals into canon uh, like into true true canon right now, uh, is 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 solid. I mean, it's uh, it's because, already in true canon, right? Like oh, did, the did, Clone did, Wars uh, TV shows in canon, I guess. Also, the books did did they bleed those kyber crystals to make the fire of the Death Star, buddy? Oh my god, I fucking forgot. <laughs> oh, I hate that so much. For those of you who don't know, which I assume Greg doesn't. This is like this <laughs> nope. is the best Star Wars. Like this is like the best Star Wars minutia I can think of. So in, in the current canon, 
kyber crystals power the Jedi lightsabers. Um, and naturally they attune to a Jedi and they're like force sensitive or something. But the Sith, they don't like, they don't like evil people. So the Sith literally have to, they call it like, they have to like mentally break the crystals and bleed them. And that's what turns them red. Hmm. Um, and it's, the it's, crystals are bleeding. You got, you have to, you have to bleed your force crystals. It's, and what was the, the explanation in the old canon was just that Sith couldn't use kyber crystals because, like, the Jedi controlled the temple, uh, so they artificially created crystals. Yeah, they're, they're synthetic. That First of all, I don't think they were kyber crystals in the original canon. I don't think they just had that name. I think they were just called, like, lightsaber crystals. But, yes, you oh, are really? correct. Like, they just didn't have access to the crystals, and so they synthesized their own. And the synthetic yeah, that, ones... Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, the synthetic ones were all red, and they also had a slight edge power-wise on natural ones, I think. Um, or something like that, but the and, yeah, because that's a does that seem happening with uh in four, with Obi Wan where the thing it flickers the lightsaber flickers. No, he turns his lightsaber off on. No, per- but it, it doesn't it power down like it like comes thin. I don't think yeah, I'm, I'm, I I think that might be a, like a, a visual effect thing. Yeah, sure. Um, because you know they they painted those scenes hand by hand in <laughs> back in the day. Back um, in the day, yeah. Um. Also, they were supposed to be really heavy in the original trilogy, which is why all those fight scenes are so stilted. And then they said, no, well, they're real light. And they start doing spin <laughs> backflips. And- yeah. I, you know what, though? The, the backflips. Oh. I actually think that the, the real heavy one, it doesn't actually even work for me in Jedi or Empire because I it they, 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 they're visually like really swinging those around in those two lightsaber yeah. battles. So it's really only in episode four. Yeah, I also yeah. think the episode four lightsaber battle is pretty bad, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of like a, a relic of, of the time, right? Like, yeah. The, the, oh, definitely. Definitely. Right. Though I would say that when you say it's a relic of the time, you are making an excuse for something that is bad. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think this scene is iconic. Um, I also think it does a very good job of establishing Vader as kind of like a a, a power swinger, um, in in his style. Um, See, you know, okay, I guess I do get that. Uh, the thing that bugs me about that is that like Obi Wan has this like I'll become more powerful than you'll ever be. like it yeah. kind of it kind of, like if it's Vader brutally murders Obi Wan right. And because Obi-Wan is sacrificing himself, uh, that feels better to me. But because Obi-Wan turns, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, he turns off his lightsaber and then he disappears anyway. So it's not even like Vader won that fight, right? Like, this is part of what I mean about, like, I don't really feel like, uh, like Vader's all that dangerous in episode, uh, uh, in episode four or episode six. There, yeah. like, there's kind of these little things that like undercut his like, like he's a very menacing guy, right? Yeah, but, he's, uh, supposed, he gets he's undercut, supposed to be essentially Snidely Whiplash in Episode Four. Yeah, yeah like that's he's true, yeah. he's 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 essentially like dark villain to be dark villain. Like mm-hmm. I I think just just if you want to speak about Four, I think that a lot of the things that kind of happen in Four that don't make a ton of sense are we didn't know we were going to create like a a, a decade spanning media empire. <laughs> When we Definitely, film this film, yeah. right? Like, like the the way that even Obi Wan refers to Darth Vader as Darth, as if it's his first name and not a title, um, it, it even points to that. So I I, I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that is true. I, it's not something I think about, but that's <laughs> that's it's on the money. Yeah. Um, but you know that's uh, 
that's the path. I, I, and I have to say, I was also very glad uh, that the, uh, <laughs> I don't know, we might lose listeners for saying this, but I don't really give a fuck. Uh, I also appreciated that Jin wasn't a Mary Sue. Yes. That was that was a very nice that was a very nice thing. Uh, she really gets uh, she gets kind of fucked up uh, at in certain parts of the movie and uh, um, and then she dies. I, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I feel kind of feel kind of guilty for saying this, but my immediate thought upon when they were doing like the kind of like extremist rebels thing mm-hmm. is they had a bunch of extremist rebels in turbans throwing explosive devices, and I thought that that might have been a little bit a little bit something to be wary of. In the modern culture. Yeah, I feel that. I actually really like the extremist rebels in general, too. Oh, I like them um, as a concept, yeah. absolutely, right? Like, the like you know, the, the dark side of the rebellion. I just thought that was a weird cho- weird place to, yeah, where yeah, they chose yeah. to, like, use the Arabic imagery. Um, I, <laughs> I also love that fucking... Uh, one of the things I thought was great about that scene, and I actually think... One one of the things that makes this work, and by the way, I find it funny because I think Gareth Edwards is not... I, I really didn't like Godzilla, uh, the 2014 picture that like put him on the map and essentially got him this job. I thought that was bad, and I was like, oh, man, the Star Wars movie is going to be shit. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I really appreciate is he knew how to kind of segment action so that it so that like there were a lot of very ta- – you know, one of the reasons that like that whole third act battle sequence can go on for 30 minutes is because he inserts – these little goals to be accomplished all over the place so that each scene gives people, you know, like it, it can clue people in. So it's not just random happenstance fighting. There's always something being fought over and some goal to be attained and some movement on the battle, you know, like, and all of that stuff worked really well. And I think all of that stuff also applied to the action that happened in, um, uh, both in the rainstorm, uh, and in the, um, uh, and in Je- Jeddah, is it just Jeddah? Je- Jeddah is the um, is is the is the temple. Yeah, that's what it's called, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and just on Jeddah, right? Like the idea that this guy is about to throw a grenade, and 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 you know, we see from the POV shot, Andor knows that this guy is about to throw a grenade right where Jin is, so he shoots that guy. But then you know, the clear. I don't I don't quite know if he was supposed to be Keldor, but he looks like a Keldor. Sees it, you know, like all of that stuff to me, I thought read beautifully and was really well composed from an action scene like translating information perspective yeah uh, which i appreciated a lot so so that actually reminded me of something that that actually i appreciated which was um kind of you talked about like you know dangerous weaponized fan service i thought something that they did well in this movie was using established um aliens in kind of different places right like like the um i think it's they're called ugnaughts um, as one of the rebellion fighters, or or the 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 lizard guy as the one of the lizard. Yeah, the, the screaming lizard dude as one of the uh, like th- these are all alien species we've seen before in in previous Star Wars films, and so including them as as is kind of like not st- oh I know what that is I think mm-hmm. is, is a very very safe form of fan service that doesn't yep. run into the kind of incestuous problems you have with like. The more uh, like obvious ones, like the the dude with the pig nose and the and the mollusk looking guy. Yeah, and I you know it's funny uh, that you mentioned that because I was also thinking about it in the context of the rebellion. Uh, I was a little surprised to see the rebellion be so human centric. Um, you really kind of only had that one Mon Calamari guy. It yeah. felt like um, even on the main ship, everybody was humans. Like it wasn't even like somebody was like I you know like a human but cheating like a Twi'lek or something like that. Uh, it was uh, everyone. Everyone was humans, which is kind of weird because I 
you know, like the multiculturalism, I guess, of the uh, of the rebellion is kind of a piece of Star Wars that I think comes out well in yeah. some of the other movies. You know, uh, like Mon Mothma is talking about Bothan spies to Admiral Akbar, right? You know, like yeah. all of that kind of interplay. You know, Chewbacca is there. Right? All, all that kind of stuff works for me. I think. Yeah, I, I think kind of part of the excuse there is that one, the humans are supposed to be the most numerous species in the galaxy, and two. A lot of them are defectors, and the Empire does have a, um, a a human's first policy. And so, if you're def like, it's kind of hard to defect from a position. Of, it's probably hard to be in a position of power to defect from if you're not a human. I guess uh, at least that that was my read of it. Um, mm. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you're absolutely right. Like, there's no reason a couple of those Tie Fighter pilots couldn't be a different species. Um, we did get a woman pilot, which was, I think, a series first. I don't think we've had a, a TIE fighter, fighter pilot as, like, a, a woman on camera um, in any of the other movies. Um, yeah, no, that might be right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I mean, I think, I think Star Wars has pretty bad sexual politics in the first place like uh so you know i mean even like captain for like phasma or whatever just like yeah you know, star, wars, star wars is not great when it comes to the ladies uh which is kind of why i don't really be great you know like there are these you know dump star wars people or whatever uh about uh, uh and you know people getting mad that like both of these star wars movies back to back you have ray and then you have Jyn Erso. Or whatever, but I don't really mind that kind of stuff because yeah. you know. I, mean, I, I thought I thought it was actually well handled in this movie, right? Like it was just kind of like, you know, like we have a smattering of humans here; yeah. they are, um, and like I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I, I feel like even weirdly the original movies, like I think Leia was 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 in a lot of ways a badass. I um, so I actually think Leia and Amidala are. Good to okay sometimes, kind of like depending on the movie. Uh, for instance, I think Queen Abidal is pretty bad in Attack of the Clones, but pretty good overall in... Well, uh, everybody's bad in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean, Attack of the Clones is just an abomination. I also think Leia is... Uh, uh, I also think Leia is not super great in Empire. Um, she kind of very much plays second... Fi like, the, the, the main acting characters in Empire always feel like Han and Luke. Uh, I, I don't really feel like yeah, Leia gets, I, I, gets very much... Um, but she brings it back, you know, she brings it back in Return of the Jedi, to an extent. Um, uh, she brings, uh, uh, she brings it full force, I think, in, in, one of the things I think that, one of the things that A New Hope does really well is, like, it gives everybody, you know, stuff, right? You, you, you feel like everyone on that team has, like, specialties and skills, and you understand why, like, they as a group can overcome problems that they as individuals couldn't which is how you kind of do this ensemble filmmaking right it's the same thing i mean there's all this also happened in rogue one right you have Bodhi the pilot you have this droid guy right you know um you know Jin urso doesn't even get her attack off the ground if captain andor doesn't bring his whole squadron to defect against the rebellion right like everybody needs everybody else in order to create something greater than the sum of their parts right this is like bread and butter, easy peasy ensemble filmmaking stuff. And I think that kind of DNA is absolutely present in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, although on that moment, uh, on that mention, I will say that one of my biggest appointments for this film is that K2 is absolutely the worst comic relief robot in any of <laughs> the films. Far. By far. Really? Yeah. I liked K2 well enough. 
Like, yeah, I, like I, I don't, I don't think he's terrible, but he's got like a couple of like ha ha lines, and that's like, like. Oh, I, I see think, what you're saying. Like, okay, yeah, he had a few groaners. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I, and I, I, I very famously dislike BB-8 for stealing R2-D2's thunder, but I, I still think that BB-8 did a better job than than K2 did. I, I feel like K, I feel like K2 was like like a, a bad C-3PO like substitute. Oh, actually, I don't, I, I don't know. I, he definitely felt, like, unique, right? Like, I didn't think he was a, uh, uh, he didn't feel like a, di- you know, like a diluted version of someone else or, like, a watered-down version I, I of someone know. else to me. T- to me, he just felt like a like a, a, a nastier version of C-3PO. Like, an ang- like when I say nastier, I mean, like, angrier. Yeah, less like, funny yeah. sass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I also, I also appreciated that he was, like, a combat droid. Like, this is one of the first droids. I mean, aside from C-3PO, or, sorry, aside from R2-D2's super awesome takedown of those battle droids, okay? Um, <laughs> this is kind of the first time we've seen a, a droid really, you know, oh, uh, excuse uh, get... Me. get Excuse me, the best R2-D2 sequence is when he uses his fire extinguisher to mask them as they're escaping from Cloud City. That is, in fact, the pinnacle of droid combat in the entire series. <laughs> you know, to bring this into games, uh, especially because we're nearing, you know, we should probably talk about uh, other weeks. things. Uh, to bring this into games, actually, I played a lot of the Star Wars D20 uh, system by Wizards of the Coast. And one of the interesting things that they did is they allowed you to play droid characters, but your droid body could never, you couldn't level up. You didn't have, a, you didn't have like... Classes. It was like you were playing a monster from the bestiary, right? You just had a set amount of stats. And if you wanted to upgrade, right? If you wanted to like purchase upgrades for yourself, I actually played a droid where I don't it was kind of it was like a whatever droid, but I eventually ended up replacing one of my arms with like the super blaster from a super battle droid, which was awesome. Um you could do that kind of thing, but that was how they did progression, which I thought was a super cool way to do that with droid characters. Um But uh but yeah. No, Greg. I feel like I feel like I don't. I, I apologize if Mango and I have let our Star Wars, our big fat, you know, like Star Wars, like knowledge, like plop down on the table. On Todd, do you have any final thoughts for us? No, you guys are way more qualified with Star Wars than I am. But I last thought I did have something that bothered me a lot um, is when um, uh, they take the the Empire's clothing and like uh, the male Lee puts on the <laughs> that and and she chooses to go with the the the. Like signal, like the landing guy. The, I know it's like an aesthetic choice. They're gonna go with the black outfit instead of putting them back in the classic white stormtrooper that they did in the first uh, four, five, and six, or I guess four. Four. Um, but uh, that bothered me, like because a stormtrooper, two stormtroopers go in. She goes with the the flag waving guy, and the whole time I thought was they're trying to blend in. But why would the flag waving guy be up in? Like security, where they're stashing hard drives and stuff. That was the one thing. Yeah, that I was also, in my mind. I also, I also hated that. Like, th- she opened her visor. Like, <laughs> I thought maybe you wanted to do that once just to establish. Okay, yeah, it's definitely gin in there, right? And then they would close the visor again, just like as a piece of like you know, plot. Right, like information, just deliverance or whatever. But she goes through the whole thing with her visor up, and I'm just like, why? What? What is that? God, like we don't, we we get it. You're not blending in any better <laughs> because you're the only one of these guys with your visor to be up. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, that that reminds me of a thing too. Like, like she's in that black outfit, and that's where like like there's a shot in the trailer. This 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 is like where it like heavily implies. That she like defects or something, right? And then just doesn't happen at all in the movie. Um, I think that's that's where she gets the black outfit from. Is she's, I'm like, oh, they're finally gonna do that scene somehow, and then they don't. 
It's like what 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 the fuck kind of bullshit bait and switch <laughs> is this? Like I was expecting like a little bit a little bit more intrigue to this, especially when they opened the movie with her being like the rebellion. Yeah. It's ugh. I, I have to say, I'm very glad that they did not use that horrible line from the trailer, like, you're rebels, aren't you? Well, I rebel. I hated oh, that oh, line. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that line so much. And I was so glad it wasn't in the final cut. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I, I, I think overall we, we all enjoyed the movie, right? No, yeah. Totally. Yes. I actually, you know. It is probably qualitatively the best blockbuster movie this year. I don't know. I really like Doctor one. Strange. Um, wow. I like Doctor Strange too. I don't think I, I like this more than I like Doctor Strange though. It's tough. It's, it's So one thing I will say is I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm going to go see Star Wars. And for the first time, I think in my life, I was not excited. Like <laughs> I, I, I sat down and I said, I thought to myself, would we have been better off if it had just died and and like we, we never got another movie and we didn't have this kind of constant parade of Star Wars film that's going to come out for the next four years? And this movie restored my faith in, in the ability for Star Wars to be good. So I am optimistic about moving forward. I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, for I, I, will, I will echo that wholeheartedly. I'm optimistic for the Han Solo one. Can't wait to see Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Oof, do you know who's making that movie? Uh, no. Uh, the guys who made the, level, the the Lego movie, Christopher Miller and Philip uh, Lord. Phil Lord is actually what he goes by. They did the 21 and 22 Jump Street. Fantastic movies, both cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Uh, they actually came from a Cartoon Network show called Clone High, if you ever saw that. And then they did the uh, uh, the Lego movie. So they're the two that are directing the Han Solo movie. And it's being so, shot it by in, um, Bradford Young, who did um, A Most Violent Year and Selma, and he does, like, all super dramatic, awesome, like, high-contrast, moody stuff. I, it so is, it it is very promising, I would say. In the same way that I think Ryan Johnson is an amazing choice for Episode Eight, I think those guys are a great choice for the Han Solo movie. Oof. I am I am excited for all of it. I really hope they, manage, they, they get Danny Pudi some sort of role. An episode oh in 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 uh, in, uh, in um in this the Han Solo thing, that would be great. Don't think it's gonna happen, but I would be happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, now that we've got ten minutes left, let's talk about a little bit what we played this week. Greg, you know what's funny? I actually have stuff to talk about this week, and we've like killed all of our time on this. Um, but Greg, I know you've been playing Destiny all week. That's why I see you got your couch. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Destiny? Um, I've been playing Destiny Rise of Iron, and then they came out. Oh, I'm the worst. Um. A new expansion dropped this week, which I'm never going to remember the name of. Um, it's like Kings of Iron or something like no, that? No, no. It's like the holiday thing. Oh, okay. Um, the Dawning, maybe? Um, but it's like they brought back um, Sparrow Racing, and they've they've done this new um, sort of, if you're familiar with Destiny, uh, D- Prisoner of Elders scoring with the Nightfall and with the the raids. Or not the raids. Um, the Strikes. And then there's, there's a new... Uh, well, it's a year three, year one gun. The icebreaker came back and everyone's shitting their pants over trying to get it. But just like everything else in Destiny, you just got to wait and grind. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what this sounds like. Raiding? Loot? Dissatisfaction <laughs> over loot? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue into World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny? I haven't really played all that much WoW this week. Yeah, neither have I. Between traveling, not caring, um, I, I just haven't, I haven't been playing... It is much. I might be nearing the end of my 
my my uh, my kind of run for this expansion. Um, really, Your Nighthold comes out in like a month. You're not gonna save for Nighthold. I'm I probably will. Like every time I get to this point, like this is a little bit more. I want to stay around for it, so I'll, I'll probably end up sticking around for it, especially just to see out the end of the uh, the 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 Nightfallen quest line. Um, but I'm definitely not feeling the the drive to kind of get on and make sure I get all of my all of my points for everything. Um, yeah, I also think that uh, I mean, it, strangely enough, I think that we have been ridiculously organized this expansion, which means that we capped like we got to a pretty good point of progression really quickly. Um, you know, like my eye levels eight seventy two. I have two legendaries. You have two legendaries, right? Like, you know, another month of Emerald Night Nightmare rating really isn't going to give us all that much tangible benefit. You know, like unless you know, maybe one or two pieces will get like crazy Titan forged, and that'll be and yeah. that'll be that. But until Nighthold comes out, uh, I don't think there's much less. There's much more like hardcore progression to be uh, to be had. Yeah, I think uh, part of it too is that like. Like, there's, like, a handful of us that are capped, but we're not enough to fill out the raid. And so, not that I mind it, but we're also not, we're not really pushing the edges of what we can do with raiding. We're just kind of fooling around with what we already know, which is fine. But it's, it's you know, it's it's not as satisfying as keeping pushing that envelope. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think because Nighthold is coming out relatively quickly, um, which I'm actually pretty, like, excited about. You know, like, the fact that Nighthold is really just coming out in uh, uh, a month. Almost a month from tomorrow is when it drops. Um, is that's really quick? Um, all all things considered, and so uh, I think it'll it'll help to kind of like pick back up and get back into you know into the kind of progression mind, uh, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Um. But did we? Did you want to talk about other things? You said. Do we want to talk? Holy we have shit. to talk about Rune Lords. We really have to talk. Oh shit! What did we talk about? What happened with Runelords? We just fought oh, some more shit. Some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like not, not like not, not that it's it's not fun to fight stuff, but like it's there's there's nothing to really discuss there, right? Like yeah, we fought were, some it, more it, stuff. A lot of these fights are coming down to just like full attacks at this point too. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of my own fault because I'm doing like this two weapon fighting build. Um, but uh, you know. Yeah, it's constant combat yeah. from from beginning to end, and that, that's fun, but it's also not really discussable. Yeah, uh, we obviously didn't have House Rebels. House Rebels is on hiatus until the new year. Um, uh, did you play Five E? I actually read some Five E today, and I was extremely impressed. Uh, actually, sitting down and reading some of these rules, I thought the proficiency bonus thing uh, was incredibly smart and a really smart, just like a really good choice. Um, and I actually, and and now that I see what you were talking about with the advantage rolls, I think that's such a great decision that's yeah. such a great idea it's super streamlined i haven't played 5e since we last talked but um okay. uh, you know just kind of the thing like the i really like the system things like it like uh like an inspiration kind of pulling from some of the fluffier game types out there i think it i think it all works very well i think it's it's a it, it's very good for like i think it's a very good kind of game system actually to transfer out of you know captain crunch pathfinder into something more fluffy i think 5e is a good middle stepping stone if you wanted to to kind of ease your way out of it instead of going whole hog at once. Um, yeah, I also um, I have also been playing uh, Total War Warhammer again, which is great and it's amazing. I played the Wood Elves, which have always been my favorite faction, and they definitely led led or sorry, they definitely uh, what am I thinking? Up to the hype. 
They fulfill the uh, the race fantasy. Yeah, they 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 just they they met they met the hype, right? I was super hyped. I was really excited, and they and they were just as cool, if not cooler, uh, than I thought they would be. Um, I've been playing the Beastmen afterwards, which is not quite my you know like it's not quite my shtick, uh, but I get it, and it's kind of fine, I guess. Um, and uh, I don't know. This, this might be something. I'm still in the middle of this Beastman campaign. I might go back and do another What Elves playthrough uh, over the next week. So maybe this is something I'll come back to on uh, on next week's podcast. But I I love this DLC that they have made for Total War Warhammer. In fact, they have actually just released, which is a great thing. And I can't believe more people don't do this. They uh they released the thing that's what the Total War teams are working on. And there's you know like there's one that's doing the mobile game, one that's doing the Facebook game. Um, there's a historical team working on an unannounced Total War title. Uh, and then there's two teams working on uh, Total War Warhammer DLC, uh, which is going to get a whole nice race pack for release uh, alongside um, uh, like kind of a bundled edition called the Old World Edition. Um, and they're, and they're going to start transitioning into the second Warhammer Games DLC, and the sequel is now in full production with the, the, the majority of the Creative Assembly staff uh, working through all of the content that's coming part, uh, uh, as part of the second, um, the second part of that trilogy. Uh, so I'm super excited. I'm very, I'm very into this. I, I've always liked Creative Assembly a lot. Um, and I've and I've but I've kind of agreed with some of the criticisms. It's like they're a little money grubby, you know. Their their games stay at sixty dollars on Steam for too long. They don't really go on sale that well. Uh, they release all of this kind of bullshit DLC. But Total War Warhammer is really kind of making me eat some of those words, uh, and is awesome. Yeah. Well, if you're having fun with it, right? Who's to complain, right? Like. Uh, yeah. Seriously. Um. Yeah, I think. Oh my god, also Everwing. Have you been playing Everwing? I have been playing Everwing. Have you been keeping... Did you get to, like, level 30? Uh, I'm level, like, 36 at this point. Jesus Christ. I think I'm actually about the same level. I might be, like, level 34. Yeah, I've basically been just, like, grinding <clears throat> quests. Um, it feels is, like the only worthwhile... Yeah. If you wanted to, to join us. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is, uh... uh is that, like, it trivia is, uh... with friends? No, no, it's worse <laughs> than that. It's also, like... It's also so weird that you get so much power out of these quests it's kind of just become like a quest game yeah at this point for me is there a lot of like uh, buying content or like a is it like a freemium kind of game or uh, it, no it's just straight so free it huh. looks like it's going to turn into a freemium game like i'm just waiting for them to like turn on the you can pay money for dragon egg spigot um yeah. um it looks like it's built to be it but right now it's completely free i'm hmm. um, also i found out the characters top out at 50 you can't upgrade them past 50 um, oh really? Yeah, I my Fiona, I think her name is, is fifty. Uh, but I've mostly just been farming dragon eggs so I can get dragon eggs so I can get zodiac bonuses. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I, at first, I thought you only had nine squares, and I was like, oh, this is such bullshit. I'm gonna have to start deleting dragons. But then I just tested it, uh, and you can just keep. Buying, you can just oh boy, yeah, keep buying dragon eggs. So that's what I spent almost all my gold on at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to run out of things to do with it soon. Like, I've, I've maxed out my main character, and then there's, like, the other characters, and then I can buy, like, the, the, the other character that's in that quest. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. Um, well, well we, we, will, we will have to do it. You know, I played a bunch of... Uh, uh, I played a little bit of Hexer, too. I still really like that game. 
Yeah. Now that I've kind of like figured it out, I think it's uh, it's kind of like a smart Tetris variant. Uh, I I just I I I can't keep my attention on most of those games. Like everything, I can keep my attention on because I can just kind of like barely pay attention to it and still play it. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, great. Did you play any other video games this week? Any others? I played Peggle on my phone at work. That was pretty exciting. Oof. You played uh, what? Peggle. Peggle. Oh, Peggle. Yeah. Pretty great game. Um, you know, beat that like in 2008 and uh, just <laughs> go for another round. But past that, just live in the Destiny grind until probably Christmas when you give me more video games that I'll play. Oh, boy. Do you uh, only play on consoles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm an Xbox One kind of guy. Oof. Oof. Because yeah. he... Uh, Oof, he's, right? he's, a, he's a Mac user, so he can't hey join man, the glorious PC uh, Master Race. I worked for Microsoft for a while. I worked for Microsoft when the Xbox One got announced, and it got all of that blowback. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> and they basically and they basically gutted it. They gutted everything that made it unique and interesting uh, for valid reasons, give or take. Um, uh, until it just kind of became like, well, that's graphically update the Xbox 360. Then <laughs> that's clearly what people want. Nobody wants to do anything like different. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not to rehash arguments from 2013, bro. <laughs> <right>. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, is is that about it? Do we have anything else that we wanted to chime in on? Yeah, I don't know. Do you have uh, Do you have anything else you want? You want? Do, what do you want? What do you want the loyal listeners at home to know? Greg. Yeah, you want to pimp anything? Oh, do I want to pimp anything? Um, no, no, not really, not not right now. Any um, any commercials? You want to you want you want me to put a link to the music video you you did? Yeah, I just I just shot I shot t- three music videos this past two months three months now. Um, only two of them are out now. One's uh the dig simple love. Uh, there'll be I guess be a link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, um, will also be links in the show notes. Are, are, is that which one's the the church one? That's the digs. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually it's actually a really cool video. I encourage you all, including you, buddy, to go watch it. Um, okay, uh, buddy, did you want to pimp anything? I have nothing to pimp other than Rogue One and I guess Total War Warhammer. Oof. Um, in that case, the only thing I have to pimp is the standard stuff. If you want to write in and tell us what you think about Rogue One or D and D Five E. Or anything else, you can email us at somedurfsplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash somedurfsplaygames. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, comment, and like, and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes and the Google Play Store and all those places. Um, so um, if you want to do any of that, all those links will be in the description. Uh, that's about it. Until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>